Thank you for listening to Caleb versus Self. On this episode, I get a chance to speak with Natsune Oki, the author of The Game of Self-Domination. We talk about the book, we talk about how Eastern philosophy impacted her life, including Ikigai, and we focused on the art of doing instead of the measured result. Uh, it's a super awesome, fun conversation. Check out Natsune at lifeupeducation.tv. And if you just type in Life Up Education uh, on all social media platforms, uh, she is out there. So if you like what you listen to, check out the book, follow her on social media. And as always, thanks for listening to Caleb versus Self. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, today's guest on Caleb versus Self, we have uh, Natsune Oki, uh, the host of Life Up Education TV, the author of The Game of Self-Domination, and the managing director of Foreign Connect. So again, I appreciate you hopping on and giving me some time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Caleb. Absolutely. The first thing that attracted me to a lot of your content mm-hmm. was talking about advancing, and it's in on your website, lifeupeducationtv.com advancing the possibility and capability of humanity as a whole from the perspective of arts and science. And mm-hmm. the first thing that I noticed is you have a lot of science. Mm-hmm. You've got quotes from Albert Einstein. You have quotes from Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. Um, in your book, you talk about, um, I mean, honestly, so many different things. Right. Your, your economic background. Mm-hmm. What and- is it for you that it that that you get inspiration as far as from art because again there's a lot of science what art Mm -hmm. do you feel like you've mixed into not just the book but your personality and who you are yeah well I definitely describe myself as someone with really strong like art sense and very like emotional driven person and I'm very fascinated by the concept of time and I get really excited about thinking about future and that is because future is imaginative and creation right like we we still Mm -hmm. don't know what's going to happen it's completely up to our imagination and creativity Mm -hmm. and when we see future in that way future is actually inward future is already existing inside of us and science is basically the processes of unlocking that potential of art the ambition of art in the humanity that's already there and basically us being smarter, like we um, we have a better chance unlocking more sophisticated and more interesting creativity from in- inside. And that's kind of how I look at it because science, when I think about sciences, science tells us where we have been, right? Like science mm-hmm. tells us data, science tells us experience and knowledges, which mm-hmm. makes us smarter, but it doesn't necessarily tell us how much we can go directly um it's definitely supporting data it's definitely supporting knowledge that we can use but it's completely up to us like imagination creativity is completely up to us up to our imagination and i get really excited about the future because of that reason because it's just so unknown and it's it's complete like freedom you can create anything you want um so when people ask me like what does that mean like what is the role of art Mm-hmm. My answer to that is like art is fundamentally what motivates us. Like what art is the very reason why we get excited about future. Like what mm-hmm. motivates us to want to create output as a humanity as a whole. And so, really, yeah, increase the capability of the humanity. Yeah. No, I mean, it's really hard to disagree with you in, in any capacity. But what I do find interesting is you talk about like the motivation behind it. Somebody might come back to you and say, well, you know, I'm motivated by money. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of address that in your book a little bit, but could you kind of expand upon this concept of self-fulfillment, especially like in an art sense? Because a lot of people would look at you and say, no, it's about money or it's about materials. It's about wealth. It mm-hmm. sounds like you're saying the opposite. Yeah. And then honestly, I'm a big fan of like, you can like whatever you want right like I don't think I'm right I don't think I'm I don't have enough ego to tell you I'm correct for your world and my thing is with my entire book even like I encourage you to find your own motivation own inspiration own whatever and that Mm -hmm. can be definitely money like I don't care if, if that is right 
And that is also why I speak about the self-awareness, the importance of self-awareness. There's a chapter actually that gives you exact exercise referring mm -hmm. to some of the quotes that I picked up from one Japanese philosophy. Uh, we have a term called ikigai. And I kind of like mixed my business sense into that, business strategy looking into that because in that original ikigai concept, basically there's different circles um, representing different motivation in life. And then basically the Ikigai tells you to find um, that middle, the center point that overwraps with all the circles. But my approach is slightly different because I come from business. Like, uh, you know, for example, one circle representing like what you can m make money for, uh, another circle representing what you feel passionate about, um, okay. what you're good at, like stuff like this. And then basically the concept tells you to find the very center point um, to find the Ikigai. But I tell the other story about that. I tell people um, it's more practical to diversify where you make money and what is the optimal way to make money for you and customize it. Like you don't have to find the center point. Maybe it is more practical that you understand maybe something that you want doesn't make you money in the context of the current society. If that's yeah. so, you you can diversify like your passion and your money, like income source and everything like that. So basically coming back to your point, um, sorry, one more point I want to give is- Sure, uh, yeah, by all means. Yeah, one point I want to give is actually a Greek philosopher Aristoteles, where he says happiness is virtue activity of the soul. So basically this is to say, pick your poison, like choose your poison. Right. Um, and your virtue will be tested like any way you choose. So the only thing you can do is to choose what poison to take, right? So uh, expanding on that idea, I basically tell people like, you know, it's it's self-awareness. Like uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how much money makes you happy. I know how much money makes me happy, but I can't say that to other people. Like everybody due to the context of, how they grew up and like so many, so many variables in life, like not non-single person want the same thing, right? Like I don't even know what my mom wants or like someone who I am really close with, like who mm -hmm. I tend to have illusion that I might know them very well, but at the very core, I really don't know. I have no idea, right? Because I don't live every single minute that they live in the way they do. And mm -hmm those moments really accumulates and creates their very own specific demand and needs. And I can't decide that for people. So if that's money that makes you happy, I think by all means they should. But I think the problem here is like a lot of people don't necessarily really um, are sure, certain about what they want. And basically they just go to the easiest um measurement which tend to align with like how much money you have in your bank and stuff like that it's very common way to measure so right. i think that's when the problem arises because even if you thought you wanted money once you made it or once you are in a lot of like having to uh, satisfy that need without necessarily knowing what fulfills your happiness and actual like life purpose like life fulfillment like that's when you really need to like look into wait a minute like this is not what I want and I think this is one of the things like um I believe in free competition by all means and you know there's a there's a guy Charles I forgot his name uh he's a lotion writer but he talks about how when you are into something you should go all in and then I agree with that. Like, I can't tell you by words. You got to experience it. So you can think that you want money and you can work for it really hard. And then those are the lessons that you need to learn for yourself. Because I can tell all, you, all I want, like saying like, you know, you don't need money. Like you don't, money doesn't make you happy, like blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't speak to you if you don't believe that, right? And for me, the experience and the learning is much stronger when you experience yourself and then really choose that narration, the truth as your truth. So I, yeah, I'm, 
back to your point, I'm just like not interested in convincing others. And then I'm not interested in deciding for others of what they want. But I have my own truth and I just speak of my own truth. No, that's interesting. And I think you're talking about Charles Bukowski. The, yeah. uh, yes. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try, go all the way, right? Yeah. The the do it, do it, do it all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with that, and, and that's a really good, you know, mental state and concept. You talked, if, if I go back, you were talking about Ikigai and that, like, it sounds like there's some influence of that in your writing specifically. And quite frankly, you know, doing my research, trying to learn as much as I could about you, mm-hmm. it seems like you are pretty damn close to getting to that center point because it looks like between Foreign Connect, mm-hmm. doing what you're good at, which just seems like it's networking, it's speaking, mm-hmm. it's getting people on the same page. So you have the ability to get paid to do that. But then on the other hand, you have Life Up Education and you have the game of self-domination, which seems to be more of your passion or what you love. So it seems like as far as Ikigai is concerned, you're, you're pretty damn close. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about what I believe, you know, like if I don't yeah. believe, I can't talk. And then uh, so sorry, I'm, I'm going to give you that circle, basically. So there's uh, things you love, things you're good at, things you can get paid for and things that the world needs. And that's mm-hmm. like basically the circles. Um, and yeah, my thing is, like you said, I I tend to pick uh, one from each circle. And definitely, like you said, Life Up is my hands down the passion. I will do it even if I don't get paid, like, like hands down. And Foreign Connect is just something that just makes sense for me to do because um, I have a business background. I live in Japan and I can help Japanese companies to launch and expand business in America. And that's what I do with Foreign Connect. And do you ever do that vice versa? Do you also help American companies try to launch their products and services in Japan as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's by, yeah, both way. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um that level of influence with with Ikigai, how much do you feel like concepts like that or more specifically, I guess, Eastern philosophies, which, you know, folks in America aren't fully boned up on, how much influence do you feel like comes from that, whether it be in life education TV, whether it be in your writing? I'm sorry, could you repeat your question? Yeah. How much influence do you feel like that Eastern philosophy that, you know, things mm. like Ikigai or Buddhism mm. or any of the things that you've talked about on your videos, how yeah. much of that has influenced your writing and how you approach mm. your life? Right. I see. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Actually, I I wasn't even aware that I carry this kind of Eastern thinking until like someone from Western world, obviously, pointed mm. out uh, of that about me. And I think without my intention, um, you know, this is one of the really cool thing about um, having the opportunity to live in both countries for a long period of time, right? Like I basically grew up in Japan, born and raised, uh, but I also lived in America for a very long time. I, uh, I definitely get a sense of both sides of the uh, culture and some people even reject one out of the other right like some people go with only one way of living one way one right. way of view like right like but my thing is Absolutely. like i have a such a natural um appreciation for both sides like i literally align with both sides which is a really cool thing um i recently find about uh, find out about myself but that being said i think a lot of stuff i talk about still um definitely have some imprint from American thinking. Like I definitely believe in like, you know, everything is possible. Let's, you know, go for American dream. Like let's shoot for a big star. Like let's, let's go. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in Japan, for example, when we talk about being humble, it's not, it's not really necessarily a good term in my opinion, because Japanese way of thinking humble is like you're nobody, so therefore you shouldn't try nothing. Like that's kind of the vibe I get. But when okay. we talk about humbleness in America, let you know, combining what I said previously is to say you're nobody. Therefore, in order for you to achieve, you gotta work really hard. You gotta like double your hard work, right? Like that's right. that's my mindset. So I take good side of the both cultures basically um and for as for as far as the japanese thinking goes um 
I think one thing I notice a lot about me is that I definitely have this like really zen approach. I'm a lot less emotional in the lowest time nor the highest time uh, whenever I face in a daily life. Uh, I'm very calm. I accept the reality as they are. I tend to. And I tend to have very high sense of, sense of emotional control. Um, and I think it definitely comes from Japanese upbringing. I mean, given everything that's happening in America today, yeah, I would agree with you. That's not necessarily a, a Western or American, I should say, mm-hmm. um, you yeah, know, perspective it, on life. It's it's kind of crazy because in it only show it also even shows up in my daily life, like my daily interaction with people. Like when I speak with Japanese people, I'm not necessarily quiet person. Like people tell me I'm not shy. Like people tell mm-hmm. me I'm very like you know. I laugh a lot. I make jokes a lot. Um, you know, I'm kind of loud. Uh, well, loud in a sense that I can talk, right? But right. in America, people actually tell me I'm I'm quiet. Like, I'm a quiet person. And it's kind of, like, interesting how different culture, or even maybe I change too a little bit, right? But um, it's kind of interesting to see how, um, you know, being considered one way in Japan doesn't necessarily be viewed in the same way in America. Does it make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. Because I think even though you're the same person, regardless of where you are, mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you know, speaking English, which by the way, you do a fantastic job at, you probably speak English better than most English speakers. <laughs> but, but, you know, coming to a foreign country and having to mm-hmm. learn a new language, yeah. naturally, you're probably going to be a little bit more subdued. But yeah. I have to imagine that over the course of time and your mastery of the language has allowed you to open up a lot more. Yeah, yeah, true. So piggybacking off of that, when you made that decision, because I know you had, you, you talked on another podcast, mm-hmm. or another interview talking about your time from high school, essentially, yeah. to getting to college and that you were essentially the only person who made that jump, at least in your, in yeah. your town or your village, right? Mm-hmm. How scary was that first of all and second of all do you talk about that in in a certain way whether it be in your book or in your videos because it it seems like that's also had a profound impact on you oh yeah definitely did um and that's a very good question um how scary was it i was scared shitless like (laughs) I, (laughs) i had no idea what to expect i've never been out outside of japan at that point I have actually, sorry, I lied, but um, it was nothing like serious, right? Like it was like just little Singapore, little Hong Kong, like, you know, something really low key um, right. for less than like a week. Like, so I never actually had the actual like sense of like what it's like to interact with foreigners even. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea. And it just like was out there and I knew that there were countries that exist outside of Japan. Uh, but <laughs> sure, if, you, sure. if, if you come to Japan, like you understand what I mean, because in Japan, um, for a long time, we've been like close to country, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of like um, North Korea right now. Uh, but like, this is like years ago, like Japan had always been kind of like island insider only kind right. of country. So um, definitely right now, that's not, um, the country doesn't operate in that way anymore at all. But definitely there's that effect from that era. So people are not as international or knowledgeable about um, countries outside of Japan as much as other countries, you can probably imagine. Uh, and then right. so that, that was me. Like I was just a typical like high schooler in Japan. And only thing that I... Um, I already knew at that time, however, was that I was different. I just didn't know that I would belong to other country. I just mm-hmm. thought I wasn't Japanese for some reason. But <laughs> that's because like um, I was just really different, different kid. And I yeah. couldn't fit in. And right. then, you know, at some point it got really bad that, um, you know, people try to like kick me out from my high school. And then... I I knew that if I just stayed where I was, like I I had no um I had no opportunity to be successful. 
because of the narration that I was believing in, um, that I was a loser. Okay. And people like told me that I was. And then I thought, I know that I'm different, but I know that there is a world out there that I can like still fit in. Uh, because like at that point, I was already kind of philosophical person. And mm-hmm. like I, I had this like little blog um, and people like visited my blog and everything like that. And people like told me I was different and stuff like that. So I felt like, it, you know, I shouldn't be stupid. Like I, there are people who appreciate my stuff. And mm-hmm. I feel like I just need to find that product and market fit, right? Like in this case, like human and market fit, I guess. Sure. Um, so, you know. Um, that was my whole idea. Um, the first time I thought of, ever thought about like, let's just fuck it. Like, let's just move. Um, but once I decide, I think I had like a good, like six months just having to like prepared for, for that. And like you said, like there was no one else at all from my village, um, who would do that. Right. Like I would be the only one person who decided to do it. Um, so it, yeah, just I just didn't know what to expect at all. Um, but I was also excited. Um, I was scared, but um, yeah, in the end, it works out perfectly. Um, and yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what happened. And sorry, what you had a second question I forgot to mention. What was that? Uh, just how that experience, how that experience, right? Has, yeah, uh, impacted you. Yeah. So. I think it definitely impacted me in a sense that it definitely expanded my um, mind. And also, I think just generally, it gave me a lot of confidence in myself that I wasn't being broken. Like, I I just was placed in the wrong place. And um, yeah, so that really gave me the courage to be who I am. And it was really the first affirmation or confirmation that it's okay to be who you are because in Japan we even have this idiom for example um, basically that talks about if you stick out like um, you get banished basically mm-hmm. so you know and, and I, I definitely uh, see that in the Japanese culture way more than in American culture yeah it's a very traditional um, mindset and especially since you, you I mean you didn't grow up in Tokyo you mm-hmm. grew up in a in a village outside you know yeah. there's and and just like here in America I don't know if you've ever spent time in in other parts or in more rural parts of America but it's the same way it's very traditional and sometimes you have to make that leap when mm-hmm. you made that leap too it seems like from that leap a lot of of what you talk about and what you reference specifically more of that like tough love almost mentality mm. do you feel like that also came from that because i can see envision you getting to america yeah. biting the bullet going through all the scary stuff and then realizing at the end of it hey i'm not i'm not dead like, yeah. i didn't i didn't die i wasn't banished everything's going all right wow mm. i'm glad i took this chance mm. is that what you also talk to to people about when you talk to them like taking that chance taking that risk yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, one another thing, it's kind of common saying, but, um, you know, you, you're more scared when you don't know what you're scared of, basically, right? And I, that, that was the biggest feeling I had was like, I was scared for nothing. And then I just didn't know what to even be scared of. And it was a lot easier once I've done it, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a lot of that. And by all means, though, I, another thing I talk about a lot is However, I feel like, mm, I mean, the education aligned with this like an industrial era up until now, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the government and the schools and everything like wanna want you to be like about the average point so that it's easier to manage as a whole country. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I, I I honestly I can't predict. Um, in terms of like economy and like where we're heading, like I I I think um, there's more space. It's more practical, and there's more space for the general society, the general education, to allow students to have a little bit more um, variables and variation in terms of the characteristic and their interest and everything like that. Because we can afford it with the progress of the technology economy and everything like that we have. Um, it's practical now, but I feel like 
believing in the free competition, I also feel like maybe that is how it should be. Um, because in the end of the day, like we can't blame the system. I think if you mean to win, if you mean to lose, like that's going to happen. Right. Like, and then, sorry, yeah. it's probably not even a good word. Like if you mean to be someone different and you actually want to be someone different, like you got to fight like to be someone different. And I think the system is already here. So the only thing you can control is like, so are you willing to take all that like rejections or like, you know, uh, hold back and then still have the courage to come to the other side. And if you pass that test, this is one of the things we talked about, like happiness is virtual activity of the soul, right? Like mm -hmm. then you are qualified to want to have a different life to begin with. And I feel like anyone who loses that competition should lose. Like they're not qualified because huh. living the different life actually requires more difficulties and more mental capability. And you're not capable of handling that right now at this time. So, and that being said, like I definitely believe that the life is, um, you know, redoable anytime, like anytime you decide you can like, you can commit to be better. So that, that is also why I use the word, the game in my book. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how I kind of feel like whenever we have this conversation shifting to like pointing finger at the system, I feel like in the end of the day, nothing should be your reason to like blame because if you mean to win, like you win. And I think at least as far as the mindset goes, I think that's the kind of right kind of attitude you should always have. So let me ask you this then, because a lot of that mentality is about going forward, taking that risk and, and winning the game essentially. And obviously mm -hmm. when you take those risks, yeah. you're going to lose sometimes. You talk yeah. about that as well. Yeah. If you are pushing everybody, if I'm looking from a societal perspective and you want yeah. everybody to pursue and to win, somebody has to lose and typically more people lose mm -hmm. than win. So yeah. from that perspective, and especially obviously you're from, from the tech culture, you're very experienced with a lot of the folks that are in that space mm -hmm. with AI advancing at the rate it's rating and technology advancing at the rate that it's going. Do you feel like there's the potential for uh, countries or societies to start implementing like UBI so that people can take more risk and find themselves more? Or are you of the mindset of regardless of AI, regardless of big technology, mm -hmm. you still have to figure it out? Uh, I think both. Like okay. both happening. Definitely one other thing I want to say is like influencers mm -hmm. and esports and like all that e industry didn't even exist yeah. like 50 years ago, even like less than that, right? Like 10, right. 10 years ago, sorry, 10 years ago. Um, and all that industry was made because of the technology, basically. Um, and everything else, like other jobs that involves with technology also didn't exist for like 50 years ago. And right. So that being said, I feel like, you know, there was an episode I actually spoke about uh, with my best friend and a guest. We talked about the ultimate form of humanity. And our conclusion basically was the ultimate form of humanity should be a state where people can be whoever they want to be doing whatever they want to do. Um, and that that was basically our conclusion of that conversation. And I believe that. Um we are heading to that direction. Uh, but I think in the same, at the same token, like when we talk about practicality of like what is actually happening right now and what is actually possible right now, um, I don't know when that kind of form is going to arrive uh, in our like actual real world. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen within when I'm alive. Probably it will. But, um, you know, the thing is like, when we talk about practicality, like like you said, um, if there's a winner, that means there's also losers. And there's a this concept that I found very interesting from James Clare. He says, um, absolute success is luck. Relative success is habits and hard work. And I found it very interesting. Like, I feel like that's the kind of mindset. Like, yeah, of course, if you're not good, you will lose. But are you right. going to quit? Like, because as long as you keep trying, like, you still get a shot. And 
if you are in a position where you say, ah, if I'm not certain that I'm going to win, I'm not going to even put in the work, then I, I can guarantee one thing is that you're never going to succeed in the long term. So yeah. that's kind of how I feel. Like regardless of the chance or the uh, odds or whatever, like you have to be crazy enough if you want to be someone uh, like, well, I don't want to say someone, but um, if you want to pursue what you want to pursue in a term mm-hmm. you want, like in something that's crazy, you think it's crazy, then you have to be that crazy person. Like you have to have that courage to be that crazy person. And yeah, it's very emotional like process too, because sometimes in terms of logic, yeah, maybe some things don't make sense for you to pursue anymore. Right. Right. But at the same time, like, that's what life is like you're living for your dream you're living for your inspiration and maybe some things don't make sense but because you pursue it regardless of the odd like that's what makes the life more beautiful that what that's what makes life more like amazing right yeah i i completely agree i i tend to subscribe to the theodore roosevelt kind of concept and that is is a strenuous life right you should always be pursuing something whether it's physical Mm. mental spiritual because without that challenge and without overcoming those obstacles Mm -hmm. you're never going to get that feeling of hey i did something so for example when you wrote your book i'm guessing you spent so many hours thousands of hours potentially writing rewriting editing reading it again doing it all over again yeah and that process was difficult it was probably hard Mm -hmm. but when you finally published it when you got it in your hands and it was all done Mm -hmm. how good of a feeling was that oh it was it was great um but also like you know the thing was like i never intended to be an author like i just felt like i i had a message that i need to convey to the world and I wanted to be in every form possible because, you know, now it comes with the practicality, um, my, me having a business background. Like I understand that the market is the market. Like I, I need to adapt to the market. I can't tell people what form to consume, but I have to mm-hmm. be flexible. Like I have to be where the consumers are. And people like to listen, people like to read, people like to watch, like people consume content in a different ways. And I just wanted to uh, be in all forms of the content for the leaders. Right. Which is why you have it everywhere. You're on Twitter, you're on TikTok, you're on yeah. Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on YouTube, you're yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And, and and that's the business side of you, I, I'm guessing, trying to make sure that you're getting full market exposure for yeah. what it is that you're trying to convey. Yeah. And I appreciate that. That's something that uh, is really difficult to do. And mm-hmm. from all the stuff that I've looked at, it seems like you're maintaining that extremely well, all things considered. Thank you. So... Moving on from from a little bit more of that, one thing that really struck out to me is yeah. in chapter eight, you talk about managing your energy mm-hmm. instead of managing your time. And yeah. that is something that I can tell you as soon as I read that, I said, oh, fuck, that's where I'm screwing up. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I think of the day as 24 hours. I sleep for six. This I can do this in an hour, that in an hour, this in an hour, that in an hour. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is by the time three o'clock in the afternoon comes along, I'm I'm ready to hit the hay. <laughs> so how do you do that? How do you manage your energy? How do you put that in a perspective that's applicable to most people? Yeah. So I feel like everything I talk about uh, really go more toward like long-term like mindset building, character, uh, character building, like long-term success versus like strategies. And that's where okay. the, that's where the intent of that, uh, chapter comes from is like 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 I said like earlier like absolute success can be um, attributed to luck whereas mm-hmm. like relative success is attributed to um, habits and um, hard work right and that's yep. like that's basically the exact uh, application of that is um, no matter how well you manage your time, no matter how well you manage your strategy and like everything to uh, basically, you know, look for the transactional, like that, like money today mentality, 
like it it just never gonna last right like i feel like it's much more important that you find something that you feel really excited about over time regardless of the results maybe in a short term but like actually feel excited about building something long term and actually mm-hmm. that adds to your happiness so you know managing energy i think a lot of uh, business owners also like they fail, um, including myself. I I, I was also uh, a, guilty of this before, but you know, I was so looking into the numbers. Like I was like, really everything I did was about numbers, and I just like that kind of level of focus just didn't last. And I always like uh, so thought of, thought about managing tasks in a way you did too right um and just you know in terms of like numbers in terms of like sales results and everything like that like and there's definitely like balance required like in order for you to like not die you still do have to care for it (laughs) but at the same time like it's just not fun like if everything you do is just about um about money like that's like whole you know, back to the whole point of what I talked about in the self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Just like, I mean, people have a different balance in that between the two. But for me personally, it's just, it's not fun for me to just maintain everything with like results strategies. And, and in reality, like, you know, trying to take something out of someone never is a good strategy for long term. Like, you should, it's much rather... I, um, it's much better off that you actually build relationship with customers, for example. Uh, you build like long-term asset instead of like mm-hmm. short-term, like disposable, like income. Like, so that's kind of where I come from. And I kind of dissected it in terms of like time management. Like dissected yeah. my thinking in terms of time management. So in summation, I'm going to try and put this into words and and hopefully I'm talking about this correctly. When you look at energy versus time Mm -hmm. in the perspective of running a business, like the example that you had is instead of exclusively focusing on number of units moved, how much product, how many sales, how many X's and O's, Mm -hmm. you're saying that in order to manage the energy a little bit better, you have to also factor in other things like in the business case, Mm -hmm. um, customer relationships, um, you know, managing expectations with them, connecting with them on a certain level so that instead of focusing exclusively on unit for unit, you're looking at long-term customer relationships. And that seems to be a way that you can um, focus your energy in a more productive way, it sounds like. Yeah, my, my thing, exactly. And I think you said it very well. But basically, my point is like, instead of focusing on like hard like cold just like a number basis which is like Mm -hmm. beneficial in a long short term also but like in a long term like you need to find that excitement you need to find that like purpose beyond numbers that Mm -hmm. keeps you excited about what you're doing yeah so so if i apply that to other areas of my life for Mm -hmm. example i like to run yeah a lot of runners look at mileage per week I've Mm -hmm. done 30 miles this week. I've done 50 miles this week, or I need to maintain X amount, or I need to maintain this pace. I'm going to run four miles and it better be 32 minutes, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. But instead of focusing exclusively on the end result or the numbers, Mm -hmm. make sure you're focusing on the actual run itself. What are you thinking about? How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Maybe running four miles today, super duper fast, isn't going to be helpful. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be productive. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And at the same, like also like, you know, in terms of running, like, if you don't feel like running, fuck it. Don't run today. <laughs> like, run tomorrow if you want to run. Sure, sure. That's like, that's kind of like the summary, of, I don't know, the application of in terms of running. And I do you know what I'm like, what I'm trying to say is like, um, yeah. just like energy, like um, you don't have to like force yourself to like, just for the production, right? I mean, maybe right. you do lose some benefits of doing something. But in terms of like perseverance, you you probably have way better results when you focus on like how are you feeling versus like your products per unit. 
Right. So for, I'm going to try and use a different example in a business context. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have a coffee company. Yeah. I'm super passionate about coffee and really my passion, and, and hopefully I'm saying this right from what you're saying, my passion is to get people the best coffee. So when they wake up in the morning and they have that cup of coffee, they feel great. Mm-hmm. That's more important. And focusing on that balanced with looking at numbers is mm-hmm. a better way to approach achieving those goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I absolutely can appreciate that mentality. <laughs> yeah. So let me keep on going, right, with Start Ugly, because that was episode 20. Uh, yeah. For anybody that's listening, if you go to um, Life Up Education TV on YouTube, episode 20, uh, Natsune talks about starting ugly. Mm-hmm. That, I feel like, is such a huge obstacle for people. Yeah. What would you tell people specifically about not giving a fuck how you start? Because that know, seems to be extremely mm-hmm. important for you. Right. Uh you don't mean anything. I think that's the best punchline right there. Yeah, like yeah. that people uh, tend to forget is that really you don't mean shit to anyone. <laughs> but the thing is like the world never looks at you from the very same filter that you use to look at yourself or to look at other people. Like you can, you yeah. just can't control other people's opinion. So even if you make the best shit, like, not everybody thinks it's the best shit. And even right. if you think like you made like some of the worst shit, not everybody think it's worst shit, right? And it's high like you can't predict that for other people. And people have different life context. People grow up differently. People have different life preferences and everything. People are in a different stage of, of their life too. Like it's just impossible that you control people's perception of you. Um, I mean, just like your blog in high school. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right, because everybody in the village was like, "This is garbage. You're never going to be anybody." Yeah, but you had to go out and find out. Oh, that's not necessarily true. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I feel like a lot of people can't start because of the insecurity, which, like, I I definitely have empathy for it because I I used to feel that way too. Um, but the reality is, like, you know. You don't mean anything in the end of the day. So I, I have two things. One, you don't mean anything, meaning that even if you fail, no one cares. And then the second thing I want to say, okay. <laughs> the second thing I want to say is like, you just can't decide what's good for other people and you just can't decide what's bad for other people. Like that's, that's the two cents. Yeah, well, it sounds like that goes back to that that self-awareness, being able to extrapolate who you actually are to yourself mm-hmm. and worrying less about what everybody thinks of you because there's more value, there's more happiness, there's an easier pursuit to oneself when you remove all the noise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, like, no one cares, really. Like, no one cares. <laughs> even if you succeed, even if you fail, like, literally, no one cares. You probably have, like, you know, good week of gossip, like, going around within your friends or if you're famous, like, maybe even entire community. But that's it. Like, people are busy. Yeah. Yeah. The, then And that brings me into another one. So at, going through all of your work and reading a lot of stuff, you obviously have a, a community of people that you depend on, mm-hmm. folks that you bounce ideas off of, mm-hmm. people that you talk to. And the one thing I feel like, and I could be wrong, that is I don't want to say it's missing, but I feel like I want more from you mm-hmm. in your content is what's so important about the people around you? What's so important about being able to have those conversations, being able to have that support group to be able to... You know, maybe you're going through a tough time, you talk to a friend and they get you out of that funk, or maybe you just have these ideas and you talk to somebody and it helps you formulate to where you want to be. It mm-hmm. seems like that is important to you, but there's not a ton of of content talking mm-hmm. about that so much. So I'm wondering if you can help me find out who is your support group, how do you use them and, and what's so important about that? I think recently I joined some clubs like online, uh, one of them being Startup School. It's this okay. forum that you can join and made by Y Combinator. And uh, basically, this is a group of founders uh, who can share and talk about their business challenges. Um, and that's been very helpful for me. Uh, I also tune into a lot of like business influencers. Um 
to just kind of like listen to what they think about different things. Um, and they help me generate my thoughts as well. But in okay. terms of like, I think in terms of like how helpful that is, I think number one thing I can think of is like uh, the power of a community is when I have a hard time, when I'm not getting the amount of crayons I want, or when I'm like really uh, struggling in the execution part of it, or like delivering the results and, you know, stuff like that. I yeah. just talk to other founders, for example, um, from other agencies. And I notice, like, shit, like everybody goes through the same, th- same thing as I do. And right. that's very powerful and encouraging uh, for me personally, because I feel like I'm not alone, first of all. And I feel like, you, you know, just by knowing and having empathy for other uh, members of the community knowing that they're going through the very same thing. Like, I just feel like I need to like, um, you know, if I want to keep up with them, like I gotta, I gotta do this. Right. So that's something I notice is very powerful uh, in terms of perseverance. Interesting. Is that where you got that chance to talk to Nicholas uh, Heinrichson? No, actually he is, oh, okay. uh, I recruited him from LinkedIn and he was actually a really interesting guy. Definitely. Yeah. Well, the other one I want to talk about real briefly is on Twitter. Uh, you had another, well, I think it was technically a TikTok, but I saw it on Twitter either way. And that was the reason why I tell people the world is never about you. Um, yeah. And, and how that breeds that soft and vulnerable mm-hmm. um, state of getting into those failures. Can you expand a little more upon that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry. I, I know that I posted it recently, but I forgot what, what exactly I said. Um, hold on. Let me- yeah. I mean, the, the caption is just the very reason why I tell people the world is never about you. And essentially what you oh. talk about in it is. Right, right, right. The how- oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, yeah. I just wanted to make sure what I said. Um, yeah, exactly. So I think when you become entitled that you deserve something and then that you, yeah, you deserve something that that's when as you, as an entrepreneur, you're done because you're Mm -hmm. too soft to work in the dirt. Like that's my mentality. Like, you know, we're, we're not talking about like C-level executives or like, you know, uh, managers, like these people, like we're talking about entrepreneurship and in terms of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs, if you are entrepreneur, you like losing. And you need to take that humility if you're an entrepreneur. And if you are like a manager, C-level people, like maybe that's not necessarily true. But in a company, you know, different roles play different things. And entrepreneurs are basically creators. Entrepreneurs are idea initiator. Entrepreneurs mm-hmm. are like a very first uh, initiator of the business, right? So that requires, right. that itself requires um, different kind of characters for you to be entrepreneur. And then executive level, that also has its role, which is now you need to keep on like maintaining the business now, expanding the business, right? So from going to zero to one versus like one to 10, it's completely different concept. But when we right. talk about zero to one, like you have to have that humility to say like, you know, when you're too good to do something, like you're just too soft. You're just too vulnerable to whatever's thrown to your face, like from the market, because the market is always right, right? Like you, you mm-hmm. might want to think that you are so smart that you are correct for everything. But in reality, you can cry and bitch about it. Like when you're wrong and then you can say like, I'm right. Like I'm like, you know, the market is wrong, whatever. But in reality, that doesn't let you to produce anything because you're contradicting with the market and as a consequence, you're going to lose. But if you are so set with your ego of like how important you are, how smart you are, um, how great you are, and then can't have that humility to like let the market to tell you what actually is going on, then you're just too soft to even pivot the business or you're just too vulnerable to be fluid about your idea. And I think I see that a lot in a lot of people, I think, um, is like 
they become too important in their head and they just can't have that uh, humility to say, look, I was wrong. Like I want to, I want to focus on production. I want to focus on like producing something versus like, I want to sit on my self-importance and I want to tell you that I'm right because the feedback is here. And that's, if that's not telling you that you're right, then you're not right. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely see what you're talking about when it comes to entrepreneurship, because you're right. It's, it's pass fail. There mm-hmm. is no curve. There is no grade. You don't get to pass with a C. You either make it or you don't. So I, mm-hmm. I can appreciate all of that. Yeah. And for those of you guys listening, if you're interested in any more of this content, Again, check out uh, Natsune on Life Up Education TV, pretty much on any social media platform. Uh, if you want, go to lifeupeducationtv.com. Check out the book. It's on sale there, The Game of Self-Domination. There is a special promotional uh, thing going on there. So if you want to learn more about it, head over to the website, uh, click around, get a copy of the book. Uh, Natsune, I appreciate all the time that you've given me. I appreciate all the feedback. It's been a fantastic conversation. And I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Ken. Absolutely.